If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. This is AJ Brown, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the Epic Roster Watch Podcast, brought to you by RosterWatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap here with the Trash Man for part two of the Combine Fantasy Football Intel series that we started uh, in the last episode, episode 219 with Byron Lambert. This time getting into some more of the NFL coach and GM availabilities with all of our maniacal questions that we were firing around asking as they pertain to fantasy football. Always a great time at the NFL Combine to be able to address these coaches and these GMs about these things, even though the other reporters look at you like you're a total asshole when you just come busting in whenever their job is to ask questions about, you know, what's what's happening with this defensive end's front. You know, transition tag, or are you going to franchise tag him, or you know, and you just run in there and you know, put your put your recorder in the guy's face and ask, you know, whether or not Aaron Jones is going to get more <laughs> get more touches this year. Uh, Trash man, what the hell's going on with you, brother? Uh, what did you think about the combine? You've gotten to see the wide receivers and the running backs now. We'll talk some. You and I will talk some more about prospects next week. But any general any general thoughts from? Uh, I, I, I guess probably for you, it's, hey. it starts and ends with Denzel Mims, huh? Hey, 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 did I call it or what, man? I can't believe it, dude. I mean, he's just I, I, four three eight for Denzel Mims. Um, yeah, I need, I, I need to think of a better comp than, than Devontae Parker. I, I, like he's better, you know. I, I was, I was looking at our buddy, um, and I was telling Byron this on the last pod. But our buddy Matt Kelly, he has the, he has this site that you probably don't ever look at because you don't care about the uh, fantasy football space. But it's called Player Profiler, and his nearest comp over there was Chris Godwin. Can you believe that? I wonder what his mock draftable comps are. Let's see, Denzel Mims mock draftable. Um, but I, I think I think Godwin's kind of a good comp. Godwin ran so much faster than I thought that he would. Oh, look at the dude! Look at what the okay. So this the comps for him are Stephen Hill, Robert Davis, Devonte Parker. Well, there you go. Yeah, so maybe he's a mix of Devonte Parker and Chris Godwin. Sir, uh, and then Justin Jefferson too was a was a comp for, was a comp for him. And Justin Jefferson, just you know, I believe he four four three for that guy. I can't wait till you do him. I know that you've done CD Lamb and. Um, who else this week? T. Higgins. Jerry, we still haven't kind of talked about him. 
Yeah, Jerry, Jerry Judy. Judy. So th- that'll be a good episode coming up soon when we got, kind of go over those guys. But I'll tell you this, man. After that 40 of 438, I had to move Denzel Mims. Uh, I mean, I moved him above Brian Edwards. I moved him above Brandon Ayuk. I moved him above Den- I'm, I moved him above T. Higgins. What do you think I of think that? I think that's... I think that's where he belongs right now. You know, another guy though who I think might, you might need to move up is Chase Claypool. Oh, Jesus I was Christ. I was blown I away by his forty. He was just he he does not play with that with what what did he end up running? Was it a four four five or a four four three? One four, of the four, I, two. Oh God! His, so his so his second run was a four four two official. Uh, I mean, he was a four four three unofficial. I, I know Jim Nagy from the Senior Bowl had him at a four three eight on that one. Golly, that's just uh, he, he doesn't play that fast, and you wonder what you like. Maybe he doesn't have to. <laughs> right? Maybe, maybe at the Senior Bowl you just didn't see it. But you know, you know what he he was one of these guys who you said, well, regardless, he you know he's 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 been productive this week. Yeah. So. Yeah, I need to move him up. I mean, shit, dude. Yeah, like I might as well just do it while I'm here on here on the call with you. I mean, I need to move him above Juwan Jennings. I need to move him above Van Jefferson for sure. Uh, just Devin well, Duvernay at this point needs. Calvin to... Johnson's the only guy of his height who's ran that fast. Yeah, well, I mean, as, as far as the size adjusted, as far as you know, when you when you size adjust, what he has what he's done there it you knew that the like i was i was texting with byron and matt just on whenever it happened we just said like you already know that that's just gonna break the break the speed score stuff for whenever we have to size adjust it so yeah i mean this he's 99th slash basically 100th percentile as far as his speed score when when you i mean 238 pounds to run a 442 that really, that really is crazy, man. So yeah, I did move him up. I, do you like him more than Devin Duvernay? Sort of is the question. I, I can't rank Chase Claypool above Michael Pittman, Brian Edwards, etc. But Devin for Duvernay, fantasy purposes, yes. What about as a prospect? As I can't move him. Above, I can't. I, I I I can't move him above Duvernay. I can't do it. I can't do it. Not yet. Duvernay ran a four three nine or four three eight himself, so um, he's certainly not his size, Claypool's size. Yeah, just the touchdown equity of a guy like that. Uh, to me, at least for fantasy purposes, I just gave him a good bump, man. I gave him a good yeah. bump. We'll see, we'll see where where he ends up. Uh, let's go ahead and get to some of this audio from the combine, talking with some of the. Uh, talking with some of these GMs and these coaches. Why don't I just ask you, like, which one of these you want to hear? So uh, do you want to hear Do you want to hear Cliff Kingsbury talking about Andy Isabella and, and, and Hakeem Butler? Not really. Do you, want to hear, uh, <laughs> do, you, do you want to hear Doug Marone talking about Leonard Fournette? I would rather hear that. All right, so here, Coach, here you go. Coach, do, do you think that everybody would view Leonard Fournette's 2019 season – differently had he had better luck with the with the touchdowns and how do you see his role going forward is it going to stay the same next year? I think Leonard did everything that we wanted him to do I mean you know you talk about a workhorse a guy that carried the load a guy that had a ton of receptions um 
you know, we were able to, you know, he did a lot of great things for us. Coming out of the backfield, protection is probably one of the things that, you know, he really did a heck of a job of this year. Uh, it was unfortunately not just Leonard, but everyone, we didn't get into the end zone enough. So I think as we, you know, get better, and you know, around ourselves or the players and we get better in the year coming, and I think that we have to do a better job coaching-wise situationally in the red zone to be able to score those touchdowns, and I think they'll come. So he, he he thinks the touchdowns will come, trash man. Your thoughts on your thoughts on Maroon? I think it's kind of good for, I think it's good for Leonard Fournette to know that at least that regime's going to be around there for one more year. We've seen how much they feed him. Do you believe that the the, the touchdowns will come? Is that offense just it, it can't it can't be set to be this bad for you know? It's like well, something's I mean, got to finally give, right? Well, it's it's well, it's all going to depend on their quarterback play. Yeah, you know, and 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 they would not talk about whether it was going to be Gardner Minshew or Nick Foles. Do you have any idea about how how you see that going down? I mean, I would I would give the edge to Foles because he's the one that they paid twenty two million. He's the one that they paid believe, the money can to. Can you believe they paid him like twenty? They 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 yes. overpaid him. They overpaid him because they wanted him to. Uh, to to have respect in the locker room. Leonard <laughs> 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 Fournette had 100 targets last year. That is, I mean, that was fourth fourth in the whole entire league. The, the only guys that had more targets than Leonard Fournette, uh, Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, and Tariq Cohen. Tariq Cohen had four more targets, but uh, Leonard Fournette had 200 more carries. So the problem was... That Leonard Fournette had as many fucking touchdowns last year as Tariq Cohen. Three touchdowns on the season. So the touchdowns, they're gonna they're gonna have to come. Um, just as you look at it, there really weren't I mean, besides Le'Veon Bell, I think that there wasn't anybody else that underperformed in the same way in the touchdown department for as far as, you know, and Le'Veon Bell wasn't didn't have the same number of uh, you know, he didn't have the same number of opportunities as as Larry Fournette, but still, like you know, he's. I mean, he had he had four touchdowns on the season, and his season was. You know, people look back at that thing as being pretty fucking miserable. So, for with Fournette, I feel like the touchdowns are going to come. Now, the question becomes, where do you take him? Because, I mean. How about this? How about this? Because I feel like it's going to come down to him and Aaron Jones, right? In that kind of same area. And so why don't we play this clip here where I asked Matt LaFleur about Aaron Jones' workload. And you could tell me what you think of this. I think it's fucking cocking. Did, did, did the injury to Jamal Williams and the, having to have Aaron Jones out there more and then the way he was able to produce with more volume and more touches, Just did that show you guys anything coming into next year about how the usage will be split between those two guys? Yeah, I think, well, I, I think anytime you look at the running back position, it, it's such a long season, and those guys take on, you know, a ton of punishment. I think that's that's one of the more tougher positions to play in terms of physicality and and I think you always need multiple guys to to get to that finish line and certainly um you know we'd like to play one more game than we did last season and uh we're going to need not only those two guys but I I do think we're going to need a third guy to kind of put into that mix moving forward a third guy (laughs) a third guy 
Jesus Christ. Yeah, I, I said, like, look, whenever Jamal Williams got hurt last year, it was almost serendipitous for you assholes that, 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 that this guy, he went bananas. He looked awesome. Like, that, that should have been the harbinger. That should have been the test that you needed to say, look, we can commit to him. We can give him more touches. We can give him the football more. We don't need to do this cockamamie shit where we mix it up with Jamal Williams. Like, let's, let, let's feed Aaron Jones. Not only is he saying that we like to have Jamal Williams in there, he's saying we need a third guy. He wants to. Have, he he, <laughs> he, he thinks it's it's like th- it's a three three's a company around there. He's sitting in he's sitting he's sitting in a bathtub. He's sitting in a goddamn bathtub with Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams scrub dub dubbing, and he wants some other Dexter Williams Joker to come jumping in there with him. He would probably argue that. If there was a third guy, Jamal, Jamal Williams wouldn't have gotten injured or something like that. I mean, come on. A third guy? It's the opposite of what I was asking. I was asking, <laughs> can this thing can this thing go to be concentrated now on Aaron Jones? And so he's saying – obviously he's saying no. Aaron Jones right now in best ball is going a little bit earlier than the turn. We haven't priced in to go – you know, maybe sort of at 2.01, 2.02 is where I feel comfortable taking him. I've moved him down a little bit since getting that answer, that cockamamie answer from from <laughs> LaFleur. But do you think that Leonard Fournette at this point belongs above Aaron Jones? Who would you rather have between the two right now in, in, in early best ball drafts? I would rather have Aaron Jones. Really? Even like who, who, is, who is Leonard Fournette's competition for touches? Wyquil Armstead? Are you really that? He's, he's the closest con- one. They're going to continue feeding him. I mean, if 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 it is the case that you know last year was an aberration touchdown wise, and that you know it all correct itself this season, then Aaron Jones then, is not going to fucking get a Green's record again this year in the touchdown department, and I'll be the all time leading rushing touchdown scorer for the for the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> if we're expecting it, to, if if you're saying that you expect it to normalize for Leonard Fournette. Trash man, you can't say you don't expect it to normalize for Aaron Jones, especially whenever this guy wants to rub a dub a dub three men in a goddamn tub. I think the Packers just have a better offense, and even if they do have a guy spelling Jones from time to time, I just think Jones is going to be the guy in there on the goal line for the most part. So I, so it's not that big of a, it's not that big of a, a difference for me as far as you know, just like the equity of touches there. Aaron Jones, 220 touches last season. Leonard Fournette, 341 touches last season. Yeah, I mean, and and Jones was more efficient with his touches. Jones, let me just see. Aaron Jones, let's see. Oh, no, I was was reading, uh, I was looking at the wrong guy. God, he had Aaron Jones had 19 touchdowns. So Aaron Jones had uh, just had to have to do off the top of my head 285 touches versus Leonard Fournette had um 300 and what's we'll see six plus so 71 341. It, Leonard Fournette had three touchdowns. Aaron Jones had 19 touchdowns. Yeah, I mean to me. <laughs> it's it's I mean, really hard for me to to lean uh, lean on Fournette's side there, even well, with the. Well, 
You really do not worry about this committee and this third guy that Matt LaFleur No, because I don't think whoever that third guy is is going to be there inside the five-yard line, whoever it is. I, I've, seen Jamal I don't Williams, think- I've seen Jamal Williams jump in from inside the five-yard line too many times for me to count. At least I know when Leonard Fournette's down there and he gets stuffed, at least I know he's in there. <laughs> I mean – I, I I understand your argument. I just like if, if you put a gun to my head right now, it'd still be Aaron Jones. I feel like I want to put a gun to my head right now, having to decide <laughs> between those two. Here here's another guy who is um, tough to figure out right now. What about what about Raheem Mostert? I asked I asked John Lynch about you know what he thought about him and what he thought about the role moving How forward. How surprising was it after you guys bring in like Jared McKinnon and Tevin Coleman, all these guys? All of a sudden, it's Raheem Mostert that goes bananas. Um, what, what did you see out of him, and, and do you expect him to keep a similar role moving forward next year? Yeah, well, hey, what a tremendous story. I mean, of a guy who's been released. Uh, numerous times from numerous teams and uh, kept the dream alive, uh, kept himself in the league by being one of the better special teams players in football. Um, but I give a lot of credit uh, to our coaching staff for seeing more, and Kyle specifically for seeing more in Raheem. I think some of the things in the past that had kept him from uh, the success that we saw this year, injuries and then ball security, and uh, to his credit, and I think with the belief of our coaches with him and stick, sticking with him, you know, when he did put the ball on the ground or when he did get injured, um, you know, we got to see the fruition of that belief this year. And Raheem exploded on the scene, and uh, he earned that. And very proud of him, very happy for him. He made our team better. John, to follow up on that, are you expecting much turnover uh, in the running back room you know, as it pertains to the roster? Yeah, we like our group a lot. Um, you know, they're it's obviously the one characteristic when you see in that group you see a lot of speed um and you you see a lot of guys with the right makeup and um you know i I would see um you know you you can't ever speak because there are guys who you know are at are at certain points where we have to make decisions but i we like that group a lot and we'd like to keep as much continuity there as possible all right so i mean basically so yes so so yes what you feel I mean, like his role gonna, is going to be the same? I think so. Okay, well, let's just look. Uh, because I, Jarek, Jarek McKinnon has already just straight up come out and said, like, com- completely unsolicited. He's just, like, come out and offered it up. He's like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to take less money. <laughs> he's, like, he's, he's, like, <laughs> he's got trying to get out ahead of it. I can't believe he signed a four-year, $30 million deal. It looks like they can get out of his um in i mean 2020 they have he has four million dead associated there uh with that he's represents an 8.5 million dollar i can't believe it he represents an 8.5 million dollar cap hit um and then he will be a 9.2 million dollar cap hit in 2021 yeah they they can get out of that thing for uh two million dead tevin what was tevin coleman's contract let's see tevin coleman i believe he signed a two-year deal. Let's see. Yeah, two-year, uh, two-year deal. Eighty-five, or I'm sorry, eight point five million dollars. He's owed four point nine nine million this year. Um, they, I mean, there's they could they could set him free. There is there is there is no dead cap associated with that four point nine million this year. It seems like they would be interested in keeping him. Um, yeah, I think so. But McKinnon, McKinnon's surely gone. 
uh, or if if he doesn't take a, if he doesn't take a uh, you know doesn't take a pay cut. Now Matt Breida is a restricted free agent. We've yet to see, you know he's up, so we've yet to see if they're going to tender him. Do you think that they will tender him? And if so, what just what do we do with what do we do? I mean Matt Breida, what a small a three year one point six seven million dollar deal. 30k guaranteed at signing um so he's 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 sure done a good job to earn to earn his money for sure uh he only represented 1668 dollars of dead cap space last season on the 2019 books (laughs) (laughs) what do you what do you think the 49ers do i mean they said lynch said he wasn't i think mckinnon's i think mckinnon's guys who are free i think mckinnon's probably gone and so what does that mean for you with Raheem Mostert? Because right now in early best ball leagues, Mostert is going after – he's going at the bottom of a tier that includes guys like um, the rookies like Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift and J.K. Dobbins. He's going basically after those guys, after Le'Veon Bell, after Gurley, after Marlon Mack and Chris Carson. Um, do you think he belongs maybe up? In that tier a little bit, uh, the, the the kind of area we're talking about here is around pick, say, 52 to 55. So we're talking a round five, kind of 5.05 to 5.08-ish pick. Um, are you I think he offers a lot of value there. there. Yeah, I'm very comfortable taking Mustard right there. Well, uh, well, all right, so... Let's 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 talk about Raheem Mostert versus Damian Williams because both of those guys are right there in that same tier together. I was able to ask Andy Reid about Damian Williams' role. Towards the end of the last season, out of Damian Williams, is that what you guys sort of expected to see through the season? And how do you see him kind of coming into next season as far as? Yeah, so Damian was banged up just a little bit early, and uh, and so um, yeah, I would say yes. I mean, that's what he's capable of doing. Um, as long as he's healthy. So that's, uh, I mean, that's been the, the only thing the last couple of years. Uh, but he stays healthy and he'll, you know, he'll do fine. All right. So uh, he stays healthy. He'll do fine. Uh, uh, my, 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 my question, though, is my question for Andy Reid was it, like what, what we've seen out of Damian Williams to end these last two seasons, like what we've seen whenever he gets going, is that what they were expecting to start 2019 or was it just injuries? He, he, he acted like it might be just injuries, right? Um, right. And that's what we want to see. That offense is, the, is an unbelievably high-powered and awesome offense. It's one that you just think about alongside like the Baltimores of the world with the best young quarterbacks, awesome players, going to be in scoring position. It, with with Damian Williams, you have the added benefit of not having the threat of a Lamar Jackson down at the goal line to snipe away your snipe away your rushing touchdowns. I mean, Darrell Williams, yes, you know. I mean, I, I mean, feel like I they, feel like they, 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 they didn't think Williams. enough about Darrell Williams or Darwin Thompson or any, they they brought in Lashawn McCoy and he was a healthy scratch all the time. It just feels to me like it's a blaring sign that the Chiefs are going to draft one of these awesome young running backs. Um, if they didn't, and Damian Williams was able to, you know, pull the old Neo from the, from the matrix and dodge those bullets of, of, of the draft, he would, he would represent, you know, just astounding value, like right there at like the four or five turn, right? 
But right, if I mean, if he can stay healthy, I mean, I, I think he and Mostert are kind of similar players in the, kind of where they well, came yeah. from, and, they, and and they're and, and they're being taken at almost the same spot. Mostert's going a little bit later. Damian Williams is a guy that you can take at the end of four, maybe the beginning of five. So a guy you'd be talking about if you went three wide receivers earlier as a running back two, or if you went three running backs with two wide receivers, which the cheat sheet would probably have you do. You'd be talking, you'd be looking at this guy as your as your running back three. I, that. To me, I mean, even if they do draft somebody, we're talking about best ball, it feels like Damian Williams could pop off for some big games, and he's the type of commodity that in best ball you might like a little bit more because you're not having to wring your hands every week about whether you're starting him in your flex or not. That's true. I I feel like I feel like the Chiefs, though, can – I mean, they could win games without <laughs> Damian Williams. I feel like the 49ers – they're going to be a little bit more reliant on Mostert, I feel like, I, for their offense. I think they've realized <laughs> what they do and don't have in Jimmy Garoppolo at this point. And how, I, how, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you're fine. Well, just how do you, how do you, how do you square those guys with, with guys like Marlon Mack and James Conner? Marlon Mack... Again, I think it's one of the situations where, you know, if Philip Rivers comes comes in, like a lot of people he think targets, is going to he happen. He targets the shit out of his running backs. The question that be, yeah. becomes then, I heard J.J. Zacharyson talking about this this week. Like, it was like 21% of his targets have been to his running backs. It's, yeah. it's like, if, if the question becomes, is that Marlon Mack's role to take over, or does that just mean wheels up for Naheem Hines? Well, I think Marlon Mack is capable of taking that role. I think and and for the Chargers it was a different story just in that I mean Eckler was just such a better pass catcher and that I feel like Marlon Mack's Marlon Mack can do both of those jobs and do both of those jobs well. Uh, we I mean we've seen Marlon Mack at least in like practices and stuff like that. And as a high school prospect, we you know we've seen he can catch. And a lot of these guys that can catch as high school prospects, like, I mean, we talk about how they can catch, and, and people are like, well, we haven't seen it yet. And we're like, well, Leonard Fournette can fucking catch. We've seen him do it. Like, and, you know, all Derrick Henry. Yeah, Derrick Henry can, can, can catch. You know, now we've, now that they, they, they don't throw to him as much as they should, but you've noticed that a bunch of his biggest, burliest runs have come on those little slip screens underneath. They're beginning to use him a little bit more as a receiver. So uh, I think that Marlon Mack can catch. Uh, so does that mean that you favor him over – I think it's fair to favor him over Damian Williams and Raheem Mostert. The market certainly does right now. Um, what about James Conner? James does his situation bit- seem Does his, his situation seem a, just a little – I mean, all these guys – dude, these guys are fourth round – fourth, you know, middle fourth to middle fifth round picks in this tier for a reason. And the reason with James Conner is – it's like, I mean, Kevin Colbert even even said it. It was a disappointing season for him this year. You got it was Benny a disappointing Snow, season. You got Benny Snow we, coming back. You still got Jalen Samuels. I just I think what are you are you going to say that we've seen him have a season with Ben and it's a, <laughs> it's a different kind right. of season. Yeah, we've seen, we've seen him have we've seen him at the top of the mountain and it's and it's pretty high. Yeah, and so. For me, just like just with the potential there, I I I'd be hard pressed to pick 
one of those guys over him. At the top of the mountain at the running back position right now, of course, is Christian McCaffrey. We don't have any questions about uh, you know his slotting in number one, but I did want to ask New. Do we have any questions about the, his usage? I mean, do you feel like? I mean, well, did you ask about? Yeah. You know, yeah. do they feel like they ran the wheels off of him? Well, well, trash man, you'll be happy to know that I asked Matt Rule just that question. There's been talk for this like the last couple years about scaling back Christian McCaffrey's workload. Um, what, what is your general philosophy on running back running back rotations when you got a guy like that that's the best running back in the league? Do you just kind of have to have him out there at all times? Yeah, you, you know, um, and I say this not specific to Christian because I haven't coached him enough yet. I mean, I don't think there's anybody taking care of their bodies and doing the, you know, the rehab, recover. I mean, he's he's elite in those areas, but not just in general, you know, as a, as a head coach and an offensive coach over the years. My philosophy has always been, you know, you, you want to help your great players be elite. And so, you know, the more carries you give somebody, obviously they're going to play better, but in ways that we can allow our other players. And we feel really good about the entire running back room. We have three or four guys under contract that we feel like, hey, they can go out there and they can play. And so um, I think diversifying, giving those guys more of an opportunity to play in different roles. That doesn't mean you take somebody off the field. You can put two guys out there. But I think that um, that's always been our philosophy and finding what players can do well, playing to their strengths. And so um, Christians is obviously a special player. As I said, he takes care of himself at an elite level. But we also like the rest of the backs as well. And so I think in Joe's system, I think it's going to be based upon, you know, being really multiple. And and, uh, Jeff Nixon's our running back coach. You know, you look at his running back room when he was in Miami. I mean, the two starting tailbacks in the Super Bowl were his third and fourth tailback in Miami. So um, you know, we have experience with getting a lot of guys on the field. So uh, I didn't fight. I didn't quite understand that thing about Miami with with the Je- Jeff Jeff Nixon, the running backs coach. But I did understand. Like, look, he wants his elite players to be elite. Matt Rule, and he said sometimes we can, you know, we might get other guys involved, but it doesn't necessarily mean we take Christian McCaffrey off the football field. I think that Matt Rule is trying to build a juggernaut. He's trying to he's trying to do what he, you know, Matt Rule's been a slow starter. You know, at at the at places like Temple and places like Baylor, where he's just done a done a really good job of implementing his culture and building things the way that he wants to build them, and it looks the same every time. It's like he starts out, he gets like three or four wins, then he get the next year he gets like seven wins, and the next year he's like playing in the Sugar Bowl against Georgia, you know, and he's you know like it's just that's that's sort of how he's worked, and so. I just wonder, as he's implementing his culture there in Carolina on this mega deal that he has, he has plenty of time, too. He's going to have patience. He's going to have time. I just wonder if it's like during this time when he's, you know, maybe feels like he's a little bit hamstrung by the previous regime's um, decisions on players and everything else like that. If he just says, like, look, what we know we have here in Christian McCaffrey is like this is this is elite. And why not as we're building this thing up? try and stack up some wins along the way. And the way to do so would be to keep this guy, you know, just to keep, keep feeding this guy. Right. I mean, well, and being the first year coach, he's going to want to show people that he's worth his salt. So I don't think he's going to stray too much, too far from Christian McCaffrey. I think he's going to want to, you know, pretty much toe the line there. So I don't, yeah. So that, I mean, it makes sense. I, I'm, I'm not fearful for Christian McCaffrey. All right, so this is part two of our uh, of our panoply of NFL Combine intel here on the Roster Watch podcast. Please go give us a rating and a review. A plethora, a plethora, yeah. But we can call this one the plethora. Byron wanted to, Byron called it a panoply on the original one. He said he had a panoply of information that he wanted to go over. I had to look up what the hell that meant. That's it. That's it. That that's in that's in that's an impressive collection.
is 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 what a panoply is. Byron City had a right. panoply of info. Um, so yeah, a plethora of info. Um, this is part two. We'll have part three with Byron with, you, you know, uh, some more of the, some more of the audio that I gathered and some more of the audio that he gathered as well. We'll probably wrap it up with that three parts here, uh, on this series. Of course, you can go to rosterwatch.com find all of our questions for these NFL head coaches and GMs there. If you're a pro member at roster watch, if you're not, and you'd like to support us, please a- a- again, Give us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. We love doing these pods. We love bringing them to you. But we do have managing partners that look at our numbers and see that we don't have nearly the amount of reviews that we should for the people that listen to this podcast. And they begin to ask questions like, well, why don't we just put this shit behind the, the paywall for y'all's pro members? So, <laughs> so if you'd like, just like, please just go and give us a rating and review. It's really easy. All you do is go into Apple Podcasts. You can search in there. Just type in R-O-S-T, and then the first thing that will come up will be Roster Watch. Click on that. You'll see the icon with our logo. Click on that logo, and then it will take you to a little page that has, like, the available episodes and all that stuff. Just scroll down in there, and you'll see the five stars on there. You just click that farthest right star, and then you can just submit a review. It takes you two seconds. If you can't, don't have time for a review, just please leave a rating. It certainly helps. All right, Trash Man, one, one more before we get out of here, and I'll, I'll, I'll let you choose which one. Um, so do you want to hear, um, Duke Tobin on, uh, Joe Burrow's hand size? Do you want to hear him on Joe Burrow's tape? Would you rather hear Chris Ballard talk about Paris Campbell and his expectations uh, yes. next year for him? Okay. So let's, yes. here, here we go. Chris, Chris Ballard on Paris Campbell of the Indianapolis Colts. Are you, are you guys expecting a uh, year or two breakout out of Paris Campbell? What have you seen out of him? What do you think of him coming in this next Well, I mean, I'm fi- I mean, look, a little bit bad luck with Paris this year. You know, every time we – I remember sitting in training camp, you know, and he has an unbelievable day of practice and then, you know, pulls the hamstring. And then it takes him, you know, into the season. Then he comes back and – hurts a groin, then he hurts a foot. And every time he kept making that push, something would set him back. I'll say this about Paris. He has not left the building since the end of the season. He has been there working, rehabbing, and getting his body. I think he understands uh, what he has to do to try to get his body right for the grind of the season. We think Paris Campbell has a lot of upside. I think we saw it. I think in every – I mean, you, you watch the Tennessee game down in the red zone and – you know, he scores a touchdown on a on a Dover route over the top for a touchdown. And say, I thought you saw it against Oakland. Now he had a fumble on the play, but you know he catches a he catches a uh, an option route and breaks two tackles and looks like he's going to go. And you saw it against Pittsburgh, where I think he almost had 100 yards just on coaches getting the ball in his hands. Um, we like Paris Campbell. We think he has a lot of upside. All right, so Trash Man, your takeaway from Chris Ballard talking about Paris Campbell. Well, they haven't given up on him. And that means a lot to me. And he hasn't given up. Well, he's. I, it seems like he's trying to strengthen his body so that he doesn't, you know, have those setbacks continually like he did last season. Like Paris Campbell, he was one of my favorite wide receivers going into the draft last year. So I just, and you have to think if Philip Rivers is there, you know, maybe I don't know. Philip Rivers has been going, been tanking recently, but maybe he can shot put Paris Campbell the ball enough. Um, over the middle to get him some action. I feel like there's just a lot of room there for him, for him, and that and that wide receiver core. So I I I, I wish all the best for Campbell. I'm I'm I, I'm I'm willing to take a chance on him because I think he's that good. 